That's good. All right, I want to talk about divine wisdom for the marketplace. And I want to dis- distinguish between natural wisdom and spiritual wisdom. I'm going to talk a little bit about both. But, you know, there's a lot of books you can get, management books, etc., that are full of natural wisdom and God's divine order for manage- management, managing people. I want to back up and talk about spiritual wisdom and look at what Jesus said about wisdom. Because it's the right foundation. It's the foundation that we are. It's our core assumption at the International House of Prayer. That's our core assumption. Is that prayer is the is to be the, the chief methodology for all activity. And yes, the marketplace. I was a CEO of a large technology business. We were the fastest growing business in Kansas City. I won the Entrepreneur of the Year Award. And I speak by God's grace with authority and say that Prayer can be the chief methodology for those of us in the marketplace. I know a Harvard medical researcher, he sits before the Lord all day long and asks the Lord for divine insight as he studies AIDS. And God is going to give breakthroughs to this man. I can tell you over and over, business plans, divine things being given, that prayer is our methodology. Nearness to God is our main goal. Work is number two. Glorious number two. I want to talk about this. I want to look at spiritual wisdom. Colossians 1.9, Paul said this. He said, I, I do not cease to pray for you that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom and understanding that you would walk worthy of the Lord and bearing fruit. We need spiritual wisdom in order to bear fruit. That's not enough. You don't just want money. You don't just want success and honor. You want fruit. And fruit, we need spiritual wisdom. I want to talk about this. I'm going to look at Matthew 25, where Jesus talked about wisdom and about how to order our lives. Matthew 25, verse 1, he said, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Then. When is then? Well, Matthew 25 follows Matthew 24. I know this is profound for many of you. Matthew 24 is Jesus talking about the church age, talking about uh, increase of earthquakes, coming of false Christ, and, and the, 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 the pressures that are coming in, our, in the days to come. And that we're seeing part of it now in pieces, but it is mostly yet to come. And he's talking about the church age in Matthew 24. He says in Matthew 25, then the church, the kingdom shall be like. And he gives in Matthew 25 three parables of the kingdom that all define the three seminal battles that you and I will face in this age. Now, I don't have time to develop them, except the first one. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. The first one is the battle over intimacy with God. Why do you exist on the planet? Are you a robot? You exist to produce Or are you a son of God who exists to love him and be loved by him? Why do you exist? Why do you exist? So Jesus talked about the parable of the the, uh, ten virgins. In this parable, he's describing the primary battle facing the saints at the end of the age, I believe. And he said five of the foolish virgins, they were foolish, thoughtless, and five were wise. And the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take any oil, when the, but the wise took flasks of oil with them, with their lamps. What is he talking about? What is oil? What is oil? Oil is intimacy with God. You can see in verse 12, 
He said, he said, I never knew you depart from me. He defined oil by saying it's intimacy. Jesus defined your view of oil as the dividing line between wisdom and foolishness. Whether you, when you stand before the Lord, whether you will be called wise or foolish is how you treated intimacy with God and nearness to Him. I want that to sink in for a minute. That's how Jesus defined wisdom and foolishness and the dividing line. It's foolish to carry around lamps, which is outward ministry. You know, see, the lamps speak of your outward ministry, your work, your studies, your ministry activity. That's your lamp. The oil speaks of the heart fuel of intimacy with Him, love for the Son of God. It's foolish to have outward ministry without any love, isn't it? Don't you think? It's foolish. We're truly fools if we think with an empty, barren spirit we will accomplish the work of God and bear any kind of fruit. Don't you think that's foolish? With an empty, barren spirit, you're going to do God's work? That's foolish. Every tree bears fruit after its own kind. One of the greatest deceptions in the church today is the idea that we can actually accomplish something eternal or do His work or build the kingdom without Him. It's one of the greatest deceptions. Jesus knew at the end of the age His church would be busy mobilizing millions of believers with empty, barren spirits to go bring the kingdom. Busy mobilizing. He knew the marketplace Christians would be busy searching for the keys to success, but apart from him, he defined the epic battle of our age as the battle for oil. Now, I understand how this works. We get on the treadmill. We get on the treadmill. Here's a quote from you for you. This is interesting. It caught my eye. It's this, this, in this uh, magazine. Um, it says one thing, one thing. And then this quote, Chicago correspondent Adrian Carter asked Jim Coke. What is the one thing you wish you knew before starting brewery, uh, the brewer Boston Beer Company? It's the guy who started the Boston Brewery, Boston Beer Company. What's the one thing you wish you knew before starting? Here's his quote, Jim Coke. It eats your life. If you're successful, the business requires all your energy to keep it going. If you're not, it requires all your energy to keep it from sinking. I thought it might be that way for a year. That was 22 years ago. It was 22 years ago. How many of you know there's a treadmill that we get on? And we become, if we're not careful, our life begins to run us. You feel like that sometimes. You know, you just become a slave to your life. You know? I remember days waking up and I thought, I have no choices to make today. You know, my, cho- my life is on track. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's all figured out. The worst thing that can happen to you sometimes is a little bit of success. Work begets work. Effort begets effort. Responsibility begets responsibility. And soon we're slaves to a lifestyle of running with our throttles pegged, but our fuel tank's empty. Slaves lifestyle. The other thing, the other worst thing that happened to you is a little failure. And fear enters in. You get on the treadmill of survival. You're so busy just trying to survive on the treadmill. You never look where you're going. The difference between the wise and the foolish is the foolish focused on their lamp the outward ministry, the business. The foolish focused on their lamp. They thought the lamp was enough. The wise focused on oil, on oil. And Jesus ended the parable by saying this, Watch, therefore, give strict attention and be cautious and active. Pay attention to your heart. Pay attention to the Lord. There is a foolishness 
There's a foolishness. See what happens when we get on the treadmill, we lose wisdom. That's why I'm talking about this. Jesus defined the treadmill as foolish. There's a, there's an over, a place of overactivity that is foolish. Is bigger always better? Is it? Is a promotion always God? Yes or no? Huh? Listen to this. Foolishness of overactivity. You want, we're, we're, we're talking about divine wisdom here. Psalms 32, verses 8 and 9 says this. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. God, what a promise. He will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. He, he says, do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Most of us are like the horse in the mill. You know what that means? A bit hurts. I've never actually worn one. But you know, they, they go, they dig into the horse's tongue and rip his teeth around. How many of you are led? You're, 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 you're guided by pain. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're like this, you know, blind man in a bumper car, you know? You, oh, I guess there's a wall there. You know, you go and you, until you, you get fired or you go and you get, you hit, you lose this and this happens and we're, we live our lives basically like a horse or a mule with bit and bridle where the Lord leads us but only through pain. That's foolish because we're not taking the time to actually let Him instruct us and teach us in the way we should go because we're not paying attention. It's called foolishness. Modern life conspires against the pursuit of God. Our pace is outrageous and unhealthy. Our entertainments are compelling. If you are going to get a hold of the Lord, you must have spiritual violence in your life and change something about your life. Modern life, you will not do it. I know people want to hear God. Everyone wants to hear the Lord. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I have studied the prophetic. Today, I'm, I can be prophetic. As a guy who is, you know, pretty much Spock, you know, computer, you know, I don't naturally hear a lot, hear the Lord a lot. But I've cultivated hearing. And I've studied. I'm a student of the prophetic. And I'm telling you this. The number one error people make in trying to hear the voice of the Lord is not drawing near. Not taking the time to draw near. You're, you're doing your own thing. You know, you're, 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 you're full of the world. You're full of garbage. And you're asking, you're trying to pull stuff out of the air. Sorry, it doesn't hear that. It doesn't work that way. You know, if I want to hear my wife, I generally get in the same room. And people, people don't take the time it takes to get a hold of the Lord. And come to him when they want, like he's some jukebox, you know, push a button and he'll sing a song for you. He's not like that. He is relational first and foremost. He wants you more than he wants your success. Do you know that? He is not as committed to your success externally as you are. He's more committed to you, loving him and paying attention. So there's a, there's a value change. Wisdom comes to those who prioritize the getting of this, of it. He said, make your ear attentive to wisdom. This is Proverbs 2. Incline your ear to understanding. If you cry for discernment, if you lift your voice for understanding, if you seek for her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord. We've got to seek wisdom and seek the Lord as if it's hidden treasure. How many of you, if you knew there was a plot of dirt with a hidden treasure, you would, you would go after it. You'd pay attention and seek pretty hard for that. It's called business. Most of us, that's when you start a business. You're going to, that's what you're doing. 
We've got to have the same energy and effort after getting a hold of the Lord. And simply spending time with the Lord. There is no short there is no shortcut. There is no shortcut to getting a hold of the Lord. There's no how, you know, how do you have a great marriage? You just flip a button, you think? <laughs> Some little principle? I'm telling you the key. It's time. It's it's prioritizing relationship. It's the same way to have have a nearness with God and to hear Him and walk with Him in a daily way. You, you've got to you've got to spend time and cultivate time with God. So getting a hold of wisdom is first of all having a lifestyle that Jesus calls wise, which is the oil lifestyle. First of all, first of all is having a lifestyle of wisdom. Second, we enter into this place of wisdom where we actually get divine wisdom. I believe through prayer, we can become extraordinary leaders. I told this man, I, I, I said, I had a picture of him. I said, after this, 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 this biz hop, he's I said, get on your knees for an hour. I had a picture of him on his CEO's office with his rug and, and, and for an hour spreading his, his things out before the Lord, his day timer, his people, his business opportunities, the challenges, and praying over the Lord, speaking to him divinely on every single subject continually and getting the mind of Christ. Wow. Do you think it's possible? Can you imagine? Divine wisdom. We can become extraordinary leaders. We can obtain the mind of Christ for our situations, His guidance and our leadership, problem solving and decision making. Jesus said an amazing statement in John sixteen seven. You know, I think about Jesus being here on earth. How many of you would, lo- would just love it if Jesus was actually here on the planet? You know? I mean, I just think that'd be so cool. I would just hop a plane and go. You know, like tonight. I just, I just, I would love that. And he said, he looked at his disciples and said, it's better for you if I go. And I remember reading that years ago and I'm thinking, it's not better for me. I want you here. But he's saying, you know what? He realized the kingdom of God was expanding beyond 12 and beyond the 120 to the 5,000. He didn't, there wasn't enough of him. He couldn't give them enough of him. So he died and sent the Holy Spirit so you can have a personal, full-time God. Personal. There for you to answer every single one of your questions, to take care of every single one of your needs, personally, full-time, just waiting for you to ask a question. Wow. Most of us ignore him. You know, if you're not communing with God on a daily basis, you're ignoring him. He's with you. He's there. He's full-time. The Bible says in Psalm 139, it says, How vast towards me are your thoughts, O God. Were I to number them, they would outnumber the sand by the seashore. So he's sitting there going full-time. Oh, wow, look at Bill right now. He's, you know, he's thinking a thousand thoughts. Look at where his heart's going. Oh, look, he's choosing me again. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. He's loving. Thousands of thoughts. We just have to engage. It's better if we go. What if? What if? You ever have planning sessions, strategic planning, thinking, you know, organizing? What if you took all those and turned them into prayer? What if you took your plans, your ideas, your decisions? You ever make decisions? Your problems, your weaknesses, your opportunities? Before God and incubate them in prayer. Plans are tweaked. Opportunities fade or strengthen. All the opportunities that seem great fade away. Opportunities that seem not so great all of a sudden become the big deal. 
problems are answered with creative solutions and we become more than mere men. Wow. Holy Spirit men. What if? What if? Is it possible? Do you think it's possible? Do you think God could give you divine plans? Divine leading. Divine understanding. Problem solving. People. Ideas. Opportunities. Do you think, is it possible he could do that? Then why don't you wait for it? Why don't you do it? I'm not being mean. I'm just saying, come on now. Let's get, let's figure this out. Daniel's lifestyle became this type of prayer. He was a man of prayer three times a day. Here's a government official, high government official, three times a day in prayer. How many of you, if you took three times a day in prayer, think about that. Morning, noon, and night. You know, would your bosses kind of raise an eyebrow, you know? So what? So what if they raise an eyebrow? What would happen? What do you think would happen? you think you'd get some divine ideas? I'm telling you, God has amazing things that he's doing. I began to, it's, and I look here, Daniel, so look what happened. They entered the king's personal service, it says in Daniel 1, 19. And as for every matter of wisdom, understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than anybody else. Daniel, ten times better. Was he just a gifted guy? I think he was just extraordinary. He was just super smart. I don't think so. I think he had divine connection to the Lord. He had a divine connection to the Lord. So I've taken, I have a prayer model, and I can't show you, I have a prayer grid here that I teach. I'm taking the seven spirits of God, the spirit of, of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, skill, and creativity, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, spirit of might, spirit of knowledge, and spirit of the fear of the Lord. And you ask the Lord to reveal himself in these seven areas over every single dimension of your life, over opportunities and decisions, over ideas. I ask questions that I ask over ideas. Lord, how does this reveal you? Lord, what is your plan for this? What is your idea? Well, who are the people that are involved? I ask over my hopes and dreams. I ask over my needs, over my circumstances. I ask over people and family. I ask over my day and my week. I ask over my sick, my sin and weaknesses. I ask over my burdens, things that are bothering me. I ask over my daily responsibilities. Wow. I take my day timer and I turn it into a prayer timer. And see, as a CEO, I was the guy that, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to outsource prayer. You know what I'm saying? I liked that prayer was happening. I just wanted the old ladies in the basement to do it for me. I had one assistant that said, you know, that's like outsourcing someone to kiss your wife. Forget outsourcing. Oh, this is my greatest joy, is to sit before the Lord and listen over all these things. Take all this stuff. I can spend hours and hours and hours, and instead of prayer being a distraction, oh, time waster, it's my it's my planning time. It's my it's my you know uh, quadrant one time with the Lord as a prayer meeting. Divine wisdom, understanding, and counsel. Whoosh. What happens? Wisdom number one. I'm going to give you wisdom. Spirit of wisdom is one of the seven spirits of God. Isaiah eleven one and two. So we think I'm being heretical. No, it's in the Bible. But I won't. I can't. I don't have time to develop it. But I'll give it there. You can look at it yourself. Wisdom, supernatural creativity, supernatural knowledge of the best way to proceed. Knowledge of the choices, like having door A, door B, door C. You know which one you're to go on, and you know what's going to happen as a result. How many of you would like that? It's called divine wisdom. It's also divine creativity, supernatural creativity for your situation. 
Solomon, when he divided the baby, you know, two moms claimed the baby, and he said, cut it in half, and let's see. That was not a principle. You know, there's no principle of dividing the baby. It was a supernatural wisdom for that situation, supernatural creativity. That's what I'm talking about. Joseph had it. So the spirit of wisdom is making inspired choices, getting inspired creativity. You know, I was a programmer for many years, computer programmer. I remember once the company was was just frozen because we couldn't ship software because it had bugs in it. And were, the company was two weeks trying to figure out these bugs. I go home. I ask the Lord. I have a dream that night what the bug was. I come in at 8 o'clock the next morning at 8.02 or something. The bug is fixed. And everybody's around my cubicle going, what happened? What happened? I tell them I had a dream. They're going. <laughs> I mean, these are unbelievers, you know. You don't have to go over the top to preach the gospel. Ask God for power. They're going, whoa. They were blown away. Why not get some power? How many of you have ever made foolish choices in your life? Why? You know, if one foolish choice can yield a decade of misery. I see, I have such a heart for this. I see so many people making foolish choices and bearing fruitless lives and misery, lives of misery because they're not taking the time to seek the Lord. I know people, a guy here, a friend here, you know, is a property speculator, buys land and sells land. God tells him which properties to buy. Unbelievably successful. Unbelievably successful guy. Another guy, Kenny Adams. We wrote about him in the journal. Guy who was a fisherman. God told him to go start a real estate development business. Started it. God tells him to move. He's in New Orleans. God tells him to move to Mandeville across the lake. He moves to Mandeville. Well, when the hurricane comes, guess what? It didn't hit in Mandeville. His house is, his house is there, you know? He, he tells a funny story. He says, yeah, we're here. The hurricane's coming. And, and my wife had a, his wife had a dream about two trees beside their house falling on their house and destroying the house. So he says, we started praying for those trees. And I seen two big yellow angels holding up the trees. He goes to his property, 37 trees on his property. 35 of them are falling over. 30, the two of them beside his house, the two biggest ones, are standing upright. He said, the pine cones are still on it. So the angels kept the pine cones on too, you know? Hey, that's God for you. This guy, all the property has now doubled or almost tripled in value. Ron Mandeville, he had told him to buy up all this land. You know what he does for his job? Do you know what he does? He and his wife joke about it. He says, you know, his wife goes in there and does all the books and worries over all the all the little things. He says, most of the time I find him under the tree, rocking the rocking chair, praying. This is my job. I just go and I listen to the Lord. As a multimillionaire, listening to the Lord. Why waste time? Why do stupid things? Why do foolish things? Why waste your money? Why waste your time doing things he hasn't told you to do? Why not get stuff that he's told you to do? And do that. We're such dumb. We're so, we are so dumb. <laughs> Sometimes. Another friend of mine making a big acquisition of uh, healthcare businesses, and he has a dream about it. He's just asking the Lord as a dream, but there was, he got, he, he went to buy this and there was nothing there. And shut it all down. It would have been a disaster. Another guy. You know, you know, you know, God in these days is pouring out billion dollar ideas. I believe he has saved the best ideas 
for this generation. Literally withheld perfect business plans and new ideas. One guy invented a technology for releasing t- oil from tar sands. Do you know there's more oil in Western Canadian tar sands than all of Saudi Arabia? It's just locked up chemically. You've got a technology to release it. It's a multi-billion dollar idea. My brother is an inventor. He's got these unbelievable, crazy ideas. God is going to give you, as Mike Bickle says, you're one idea away from a billion dollars. Do you believe God could give it to you? Well, then why aren't you listening? See, we're, we're, just, we're spending our lives on the treadmill and foolish activities head down. We need to have some head up time. Spirit of, that spirit of wisdom, number two is spirit of understanding, is understanding the times, the meanings, the seasons, the strategies, purposes. Imagine knowing what God is up to. What, is, what are the winds blowing? What is going on? That's what a spirit of wisdom is. Wouldn't you like to know what's going on? You and I started an internet business in 1995. Turns out to be a good time to start an internet business. I knew people that started an internet business in 2001. Not a good time. You know, you got to know what time it is. So what time is it for you? What is he doing? It's so important you know what time it is for you. Understand the times, the seasons, and strategies. We've got to know you have one little itty-bitty life to invest, and it's almost over for you. You have one more hour on the earth, and it's gone. What time is it? we got to know. we got to know. God will tell you. I believe there's certain businesses that will prosper in coming years. I believe the Lord's spoken to me about several different businesses and business categories. That's because I'm listening. I'm asking. Spirit of counsel. Do you know what spirit of counsel is? It was a council of war. It was a war council. It was a council of war. It was a war plan. It was a tactics. It was a plan. How many of you would like a divine blueprint for your business, a divine business plan? Well, why not get one? Why not go and ask? You know, I tell the story about my business became the fastest growing business in Kansas City, bar none. I mean, it was like a thousand times faster than every other business. I, what I don't tell the story is I started the wrong business. See, I was my own, I did what I was telling you not to do. And this business, after about six months, was belly up. I mean, it was out of gas. It was over. It ran out of money, wasted it, all gone. So I said, we're going to have a Holy Ghost Summit, you and me, me and God. And I said, we're going to have it on Saturday, and you're going to, neither of us is leaving the room until you talk to me. And I wasn't leaving. I was not going anywhere until we talked. And I was dead serious about it because I was, I was over. I mean, I was done for. I, needed, I was going to go fire everybody and quit on Monday and, you know, shut the, shut the doors. So I needed it here. So I'm there, and I'm, you know, having my prayer time moaning and complaining mostly, as most of, our do, most of us do, you know, experts at moaning and complaining. And about the afternoon, the Lord, I get this download of a business plan. I still have the page in my journal, a, a, a divine business plan, even the name. I went on and looked on the Internet, and the name was available. This business became the fastest-growing business in the whole Midwest region, doubling every three and a half, four months. Wow. Do you believe God could give you a divine plan? See, we come more than mere men, more than just a robot like everybody else. Let's take the time to get supernatural divine wisdom. Spirit of counsel. The final thing is the spirit of knowledge. Spirit of knowledge. I just had in four of the seven spirits of God, and I could do the rest, but we're out of time. Spirit of knowledge. The spirit of knowledge is divine information. It's data. It's information. 
You know, I know a guy who is a stock trader. He trades stocks, trades the market. Ask the Lord which symbols are going up, which ones are going down. That's If you're a stock trader, that's good to know. <laughs> and the Lord tells him. The Lord tells him he's extremely successful, very, very successful at what he does. Way, I mean, beating the market, you know, making 30 and 40 and 50% returns, which is extraordinary if you know, you know, the business. Extraordinary. Gives away 20% of everything to the Lord. And goes and just asks the Lord, do you want divine information? He's got it, but why would he give it to you? Why would he give it to you? You got to get your heart aligned. You got to get your heart aligned where he's not putting you at risk by giving you something you can't handle. He's not going to do that. He loves you far too much. He simply won't do it. But when you get your heart aligned, which is why this 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 kind of events are so important just to and not just these events but living this lifestyle of wholeheartedness to the Lord and really dealing with the issues that he's dealing with in your life. And he'll give it. I believe there's days coming where there will be supernatural wisdom, understanding, and counsel poured out. I believe the, the most extraordinary businesses ever seen on the planet are yet to come. Most extraordinary opportunities. And God is right now. You know, so many of you, you're like a David in the back of the field, you know. And, you know, they're lining up for the king, and he's not even there. He's not even worried about it. He's like, ah, it couldn't be me. And God says my eye on you boy pay attention to your heart pay attention to the movements of your heart get your heart right first and foremost clean you be amazed what the Lord will do he has there are no limitations on what he could do with your life none none he gives wealth and honor he gives it to whom he pleases David said he pours out wealth and honor on whom he pleases He could give you an idea tomorrow that changes everything. He could give you a billion-dollar idea tomorrow, couldn't he? Wealth is truly in the hands of the Lord. Wealth is truly in the hands of the Lord. I believe we need to enter into this place of, I call it the executive prayer model. You know, it's where we take these things and listen to the Lord. We need to have a devotional life. There's so much foolishness today in the body of Christ. So much foolishness. So many people doing things they say the Lord is telling them to do, and they're not. They're not the Lord. People are making foolish choices with their life. They're not paying attention. They're busy, 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 busy running around doing things and saying, Lord, bless it. And there's just, and it's not evil. There's just a way better way. I look at it and go, why do that? Why not get something from the Lord and go do it? I see such good, bright people allowing themselves to be driven by their lifestyles into foolish choices, on the treadmill, unable to get off so they think. But if you're on the treadmill, you're a willing participant. I believe a a vibrant, substantial, devotional life is necessary to live this life on the planet. A vibrant, substantial, devotional life is necessary to live on this planet. It is necessary to live on this planet. Bob Hartley, you know, very prophetic, had a dream about President Bush. And in the in the dream, he's, Bush was saying, he said, things aren't what they seem. 
They aren't what they seem. I know things aren't going good, but they, it's not what it seems. And he says, and he, and uh, the Lord had showed Bob how every time there was a, you know, President Bush had gone to, to pray. He'd gone to his ranch to pray. There was some disaster the enemy had stirred up, some little little thing that he had some emergency he had to go take care of. And the, the enemy was warring against his devotional life to keep him from getting clarity. Like most of us. I mean, we just can't get clarity because we're so busy. That's why it's so important to do what, what Bruce talked about in the last session, about getting this time before the Lord to clear it. it here's the pipes. We dig this well to the Lord. And, and we run mud for a while, you know, until the, it runs clear. Clear water of the Spirit. We need to have this devotional life. And uh, Bush looked at, looked at Bob in the stream and said, saddest thing, no one has ever taught kings to pray. Like how to pray through, how to get answers, how to get leading. And to me, kings are marketplace people. It's people who are called into the realm of the natural. And it's so important that we, that we, that we get this prayer models that are meaningful and substantial. And I don't mean that you're just punching the clock and doing, I not the rock pile prayer. You know, we've all been there, you know, in the rock pile. <laughs> Put it doing your duty. No, I mean vibrant, powerful, substantial, sustaining prayer. We must get prayer models that do this. And again, I mean, you know, we, we teach a model of devotional prayer called the Acts model that is absolutely powerful in doing this. Uh, the first step is adoration. It's, it's clearing the air, not asking a thing, but loving God. Magnifying the Lord. The Bible says, magnify the Lord, O my soul. You know what happens when you magnify the Lord? Everything else gets demagnified. And our, we get clarity. We are wired to hear the Lord. But modern life, the pace of modern life unwires us. We must step off the treadmill and change our pace. Amen. So, Lord, we love you. Lord, we just come to you. And we ask you, Father, I ask you right now to change our wiring, to change our pacing. I ask you to grant a spirit of wisdom, Father, over us. Father, I ask you for power from on high to establish this prayer life.